Hello, everyone, and welcome to my pleasure. I think this is our eighth episode together. Um, I'm so happy you're back. I'm so happy I'm back. And uh, I have back knee. And I just, I thought of that because I said the word back twice. And I just wanted to be very clear that I have back knee. I don't have acne on my face. It all goes straight to my back. It's weird to be 34 with back knee. Okay. So I'm obviously, there's a lot. For starters, I absolutely take back. No, I don't take it back. I've completely changed my mind about Kanye. Like, I... And what's great is I changed my mind and it doesn't come from anything anyone bitched at me about or said to me, you're wrong. No, like no one even had to say that. I just thought about it. And as the week went on, things changed and got worse and weirder. And here's what happened. I thought that it was all good because, you know, Kanye is just like mad at Jared Kushner, whatever. Like he doesn't hate Jewish people. I still believe that. But what he's doing by, like, isolating Jewish people in a way publicly is he's energizing idiots who actually do hate Jewish people and who are taking his message the wrong way. And he knows that, you know, maybe, I don't know for sure, but he should. And I think, like, look, you can do a lot of things. But when you isolate a group of people as being bad and then like Trump is doing it too, it's just getting, it's scary. It's like, have you guys never been to the Holocaust Museum? Do you guys not know what, what happens here? So I'm really mad about that. And I feel like, gosh, it is just a weird time to be looking up to this artist who's bipolar and who's making mistakes and like, yeah, I love Yeezy shoes, but dude, I don't, that's so fucked up to isolate out Jewish people like that and then energize crazy people when, and I I like, I want this podcast to be light. It's going to stay light, but I just kind of wanted to, to, I guess, like, retrace my steps and say, like, no, I'm not cool with that. And not to mention, like, my grandparents are buried in a Jewish cemetery that has been vandalized, like, often. Isn't that fucked up? Like, people will go into a cemetery specifically because it's Jewish, and they will vandalize the graves. And... I remember when I saw on the news that that was happening and I I asked my dad, oh my God, like that's where your parents are. Like, do you, do you need to find out like if everything's okay? And he's like, I don't want to know. And I'm like, that's so, first of all, I respect that. Like, you know, that's what do you, what are you supposed to do? Like some hateful person might have spray painted the word kike on your parents' graves? Like, what? And the world is full of problems. This is not, like, the worst one. But I just want to be very clear that 
you can't do what he did. Like, no, it's bad. Again, I'm not articulate about this subject matter because it's not my forte, but because I was stupid and thought it was cool to defend him for a minute, I'm now I have to be like, whoa, I was wrong. So that's all. That's like correction corner for my pleasure. Let's get to stuff that's actually fun. I'm sorry to even bring that up. It's bleh. okay. But it's my fault. Um, I want to talk about two like little life lesson things that I go back to a lot. And it's because they're from, they're actually both from like AA. Now I am not an AA. I think if I was, is it legal to tell you? <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's like you only have to protect your own and no, you have to protect other people's anonymity. But but I am so, I think, well versed in the whole like Alcoholics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, all the anonymouses, AAs, whatever, how, um, because when I started comedy in LA, I met a lot of people who were in AA and I obviously really was I gravitated towards those people because I didn't drink. And so I just thought it was cool to be friends with other people who didn't drink and that they tended to be people who had problems with drinking and then overcame them. And so that was like the crew that I gravitated towards. You know, my best friend Carlos, I would say, is definitely under that category. And there's a lot other people, but I don't want to name them because I think that's not what you're supposed to do. But Carlos, he's – who cares? He's fine. He's not the secret. Um, so – I used to go to Overeaters Anonymous. That was my thing. I went to those meetings in my early days in LA when I was really struggling with binge eating. And I had really gotten to like a breaking point with it where I was like, oh, I'll, even though the name of these meetings is so embarrassing, Overeaters Anonymous, that is so embarrassing. I always felt like this is the most cringiest, embarrassingest problem to have. I finally was at such a breaking point. I remember I was pulled over on Fountain Avenue right outside of my old apartment and I called my parents and I was like, I, it's, this is bad. No, this is serious. This needs to be taken seriously. And again, I'm really just like saying that out loud for myself, but my parents were like a sounding board, but I, I felt like I had to like scream into the abyss, like, no, this is a real problem. This needs to be treated as seriously as, you know, say my uncle or whoever who's addicted to drugs or alcohol. Like, this is taking over my life. I feel like shit. I, it's a bad cycle because I was, a, you know, a binge eater. And I was a binge eater. Started in high school, but it, it always starts kind of innocent, you know? Like in high school, I, it was, it didn't feel naughty. It didn't get like, sad feeling until college but I was doing it in high school but I never felt like shame about it it didn't get shameful till college but and I I should talk more in depth about this at some point but basically the whole point of this is I'm talking about AA like sayings that stuck with me this isn't like the big binge eating episode or it is I don't know so I was at a breaking point 
and I didn't know what to do. And so I started, I looked up Overeaters Anonymous meetings because I'd always heard about it. And I was like, this must be the thing for me. It sounds exactly like me. And I started going to the meetings and I got really into the program for like a short while. You know, I was driving all over the city of LA to find a meeting every day. And it was somewhat helpful, but ultimately I was not ready for it because I would find myself getting triggered in those meetings and I was like not ready to do the work on myself yet. For me, it was all about the food still. Like I was just like, what did you eat, you know, on your binge? And here's what I ate. Like that's all I wanted to talk about, which is such a sign that I was like still in it, in the thick of it. Whereas like, realistically what I should have been ready to talk about is like my feelings and why do I why do I turn to food and you know stuff that took me years and years to fully grasp but and it wasn't until I went to this place called the Bella Vita which is no longer around which sucks because it changed my life but I went and I did a 30-day treatment program where I literally went eight hours a day I think it's called like PHP partial hospitalization program. It was like me and a bunch of people like me. It was a lot of like anorexic teens, which was so cool. <laughs> they were so cool. That's really fucked up to say, but I mean it. So I don't know. Um, and me and other women like me that were struggling with the binging. And that was very like that program. I have to say, like, if you are struggling and you ha- can find a program like that I highly recommend it but I also I also very much believe that the resources online are so much more vast people talk about binge eating on TikTok all the time like it's it was not like that back then really I had nowhere to turn except for OA and it what OA was I wasn't it wasn't enough for me okay anyways also my dad gambling addict he would go to GA and I weirdly I have this weird memory of going to a GA meeting with him and I'm like how can that be like why would you take your kid to a gambler's anonymous meeting but I know that I went to one and so I'm very confused by my childhood maybe one of my parents can like help me understand why that happened but it did and in fact I even had this shirt which mom, I know you threw it away and I begged you not to, but that's what happens when your mom is a cleaning addict. I had this shirt and it was so cool to me because like I rarely got to do things with my dad, even though he raised me. Uh, I, you know, wasn't like we went on a lot of activities together. So I like really cherished the shirt, but I think my mom was so desperate to get rid of it because she's like, this is a shirt from a gambling anonymous, gamblers anonymous meeting. Like this is, I think even my mom knew, like, this is creepy. Like, I can't have my 10-year-old daughter, like, loving this shirt about a gambling addiction. Anyway, getting too too dark. Um, so, I've set the scene. I know a lot about AA. You believe me now. There is a funny story. It's actually not funny. It's sad, but it's kind of funny. Where when I was going to my Overeaters Anonymous meetings... I wasn't, I, there's this, it's like, what are you allowed to share? I don't know. But there's this, like, basically this place that it's like a cabin and it's in the middle of West Hollywood 
And it's where they hold a lot of these meetings. And I had found one on the schedule that was women's only. And I had never seen anything like that. And I was so excited because you guys know me. Like, I love to just, like, bro down with all girls. You know? Like, whatever broing down means with all guys, I like to do that with all girls. So I was like, oh, my God, this is perfect. Like, this is – I will be less embarrassed. Great. So I go to this all-women's OA meeting. And it's at that little cabin that there's just – that randomly exists in West Hollywood. And it's a really big meeting. There's a lot more people there than usual, which I thought was interesting because usually the OA meetings are kind of light. You know, it doesn't draw the biggest crowd. It's usually kind of the other more serious addictions that are fuller meetings. And so it's a little like, just that was curious to me. And we sit in our circle and people start going around the room. And I very quickly notice there is a very different vibe and people are crying and when they share it's really serious it's nothing like an OA meeting I've ever been to and suddenly it dawns on me I'm in the wrong meeting I'm I'm at an AA meeting and I was like this is this is the big leagues like my problems were nothing like this is so serious like very very serious bad things were talked about you know people just bad abuse so and then we it's the time of the meeting you know where everyone goes around and says hi my name is blank and i'm an alcoholic and everyone is doing it and it's going each person i'm like i'm sitting there i'm watching each person go and say their name and say they're an alcoholic and then the next person the next person and i'm watching the circle and it's getting closer and closer to me and i'm like i'm in the wrong place what do i do what do i do i'm so embarrassed oh my god i don't belong here i felt like i was violating them because i was not an alcoholic and this is for alcoholics like i felt so disgusting like i felt like i was an intruder. It was horrible. I felt so bad. Like, this is not, these are not my stories to hear. I'm, I don't belong here. I don't deserve, like, I don't have the privilege of this. And I didn't know what to do. And when it got to me, I was just like, fuck, I'm not going to be the fucking freak. So I just literally lied. I'm like, hi, my name is Esther. I'm an alcoholic because I didn't know how else to make the situation less. Like, I just don't want to make it worse. So it felt like lying and saying that would make it better. So anyway, I think, you know, maybe 10 minutes after that, when it seemed like the right moment, I slowly snuck out because I just couldn't even handle how traumatizing it was, which is interesting because I never would have guessed that. I never would have guessed that the vibe would have been that different. And these meetings, you know, they're every single meeting is different. It's different people. It just depends on who the people are that show up. But uh, it was traumatizing. Anyways, so there are two principles from the 12-step programs that I have been noticing that have been coming up for me a lot in the last month, maybe even in the last year. And I'm excited to share them with you because I feel like I have... So 
I felt like a 12-step program didn't work for me, mostly because, you know, you need to have a higher power. And at the time, to me, I, I could really only think of that meaning God, and I am obviously very godless. Hey, girl. So I just, it never, it didn't work for me. Now, that's why, like, I'm excited that I, I'm removed now from the program, but I have, I'm still able to learn from these two concepts. So here they are. One, the most famous one, I think, accept the things you cannot change. And it's so simple, but like when you click that shit in, when you fucking click that one into your brain, when you create like the right connection in your brain to that saying, it really frees you. You become a free person in a way you find freedom. So, you know, sometimes like it's kind of a dorky example, but I think everyone at one time or another has let their mind wander to, was I born at the wrong time? You know, did I get so fucked that I had to spend two of the what should be the best years of my life in a global pandemic? Did I, should I have been born in the 50s where I could have been a a beautiful 1950s girl drinking milkshakes at the car hop? Should I have been born uh in 2000 and then have iPhones sooner than I did. You know, there's so many places that my mind can wander to to wonder, what if this, but I don't do that ever anymore, unless it's like a creative exercise, but I don't care what could have been. I don't waste my time, unless it's for fun, going down those roads. I accept everything that I can't change as it is. And then I focus on the things that I can change, like how I deal with myself, with my life, the things that I have control over. And it's such a simple concept, but it took me a long time and Lexapro and quite frankly, maybe even weed to fully connect with this concept and to fully live it and it had it really just adds so much life to the areas of your life that you can change and so I just challenge you to think about a couple things that you might be stewing over that you can't change versus the ones that you can and think about think about it that's all this is this podcast is so weird. It's just me sharing these like nerdy things that I connect with and hopefully you do too. And, you know, I was listening to Rick Rubin on the Joe Rogan podcast and it was an incredible interview. And he was talking about how like he makes the things that he wants to listen to or to, to have be entertained by. And I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's all I know how to do because I'm literally not creative enough to like invent a thing that I think people would like. I can't, I don't have that. And then he even said in that interview, like, no one's smart enough to do that. And so when you try to do that, you just make shit that's like, ugh. and we're all 
everyone who makes things like you kind of have to do trial and error, you know, like, am I doing this because I think people will like it or because I actually like it? Like, it's a hard skill. Like, you have to fine tune it, whatever. But anyways, the next 12-step program principle that has lately been really applying to me is taking life one day at a time. This one is is really important to me in almost a way that doesn't apply to addiction, because I think when it comes to addiction, you just have to get through that one day without touching your your issue, you know? You just have to worry about not overeating, not taking a drink, not gambling, whatever. Just that one day. And my dad always says, like, oh, what does he say? Like, if you're an addict, you say you'll quit tomorrow. But when you're in recovery, you say you quit today. Something like that. It's I feel like he says it better, but one day at a time has been applying to me in sort of a different way, which is I can get really wound up about my life, right? Like I'm like, okay, so, oh my God, this week is so busy. And like, I have to do this on Tuesday and then this on Friday. And like, this needs to be turned in by Saturday. And oh my God, I need to do this. Like, oh, and I'm going to want to eat this meal five days in a row. Like I just get so hyper fixated on planning the next like five days, the next 10 days. And that is nonsense. That is fake. That is future tripping. That is wasteful because the only thing that really matters is the day you're in, the day. And of course you have to plan a little bit, you know, I need groceries, but, and I need to know when things are due and when I have to be at work at what time and plan my schedule. But that's all. I, I, you, I will have a tendency to take that too far. And I, I do so much better when I'm just saying, Hey girl, just focus on the day ahead of you. This, I don't need to know what I'm eating on Thursday for lunch. I just need to know, am I hungry right now or am I not? And, and I also don't need to worry about, what time work starts tomorrow? That's not something I need to think about all night. I just need to tonight think about what do I do? How do I want to spend my night? Like that, again, I'm like embarrassed at how simple these concepts seem, but yet I'm so moved and changed and improved by them that I can't help but share them and risk the embarrassment because they're so powerful to me that I just need to get them off my chest and share them with my loved ones, which are you guys, because we're all in a cult. It's like better than a cult though. Okay. So those are my little things, my little AA principles. Oh my God, I'm really excited about the hot girl homework because it's kind of nasty. It's kind of like bitchy, okay? The hot girl homework is like rooted in being a nasty bitch. So the hot girl homework this week is based on, dude, I get haters, right? Like everyone online who exists gets haters. You're not special. You're not any good or bad. You're just normal to get haters. And... You know, I've talked on here about I'll sometimes go on Reddit for fun and look up fun things like Starbucks and weed and, you know, people's pregnancy stories, like all these different fun random things on Reddit. And every now and then 
I will bump into something that is either about myself or about a friend of mine. And nothing is more motivational or energizing than when I fucking see losers saying wildly rude, inaccurate, wrong, nasty shit about people I care about. And it gets me going and it it gets me into a bitch mode, which is rare for me. Well, my family would tell you otherwise, but... So, you know the movie The Little Mermaid? And you know Ursula. I know she has her eels, but then she also has her poor, unfortunate souls. Do me a favor if you're listening to this right now. Go to Google. I'm going to do it with you. Go to Google. Dear Google. google Google.com. Type in... I'm just going to type in poor, let's see if that does it, poor, unfortunate souls. And then go to images. And then you'll see like the little, like sad, like creatures. And it makes me sad. I feel bad for them. I hate how sad these little creatures look. But you know what? If you're a toxic loser using your energy to say hateful things about people that I care about, this is how I view you. If you use your energy to say mean shit about people who are just living their lives, this is how I look at you now. And so I want your hot girl homework to be if somebody fucking says something nasty to you, someone nasty you care, something nasty about someone you care about, It's the biggest power move to just in your head view them as one of Ursula's unfortunate souls. It's just great because you immediately feel bad for them. You're like, oh, that sucks. That sucks. You are reduced to a hater trapped in a cave with no soul or whatever their story is in the cave. But that's how I feel about people who say mean things about my friends. And about me, okay? It's about me too. So let's move on. My anti-sadness this week is coloring. I mean, if you, if you follow my Instagram stories, you obviously knew it already. I posted it this weekend, but like I found, uh, this coloring book website or like account. It's called Bobby Goods and they make these little like bare like coloring books. They're so cute. They're like always sold out, but. I got a digital download of like these like Halloween printouts and I've been coloring them with markers. And because we started filming uh, the movie, I'm like really all in on what are relaxing self-care things I can do that there's no brain work involved and there's no moving around and no talking. And so this weekend I spent a lot of time just coloring with my markers and listening to podcasts and stuff like that. Now, I know that's pathetic, right? Like, I know, I know that I am a 34-year-old woman. I don't have children. I I sit at home in color. I know that's dark, okay? I don't care. Do I care? Why would I be acknowledging it if I don't care? I'm not sure, but I just need you guys to know that I know that it's a little lame. 
but it's not lame because I fucking don't care. Okay, moving on. My crush of the week is Rick Rubin because I listened to him on several podcasts. He's like this famous, iconic music producer. Yes, I've never heard of him until this week. Actually, that's a lie. I heard of him once because I was at Whitney Cummings' house and Kesha was talking about how she was having a meeting with him. And everyone was like, whoa, everyone was making a big deal out of it. And I was like, I don't understand. And so then when I saw that he was on Joe Rogan, I was like, I should listen to this. This guy seems to be really respected by creative people. And boy, were they right. He is so my crush of the week because of what I already referenced, but him saying like that he makes, he makes art that he would like. And that's something that I'm really focusing on this right now at this phase of my career because I feel like for a while there, I was just so worried about what others thought of me, especially my peers and people that maybe were my fans and maybe like how do I keep them interested and to me it's just like exist as yourself that's it that's my crush of the week and then I also really liked how he talked about uh pod no he talked about wrestling and how much he loves pro wrestling which it's like ew that makes me think of like all the boys in fourth grade saying suck it like ugh. but what he talked about, he made it really sound like how it really is like a soap opera for boys because there's all these storylines and you don't know what's real or what's fake. And it does remind me of podcasting right now, honestly, like not this podcast, but like the LA comedy podcast scene, you know, we, there are storylines going around that people are making all these like fan videos about, you know, the, all the drama on my show. And I'm like, it's kind of like wrestling. It's like, you don't know what's real and what's not. And I do think that's part of the entertainment is wanting to guess. And I think that's why I was always so drawn to like Andy Kaufman's work. Like, I really like not knowing what's real and what's not. I don't know why that just like tickles me the right way. It, it, it lets the viewer like make up whatever they want. And I think that makes things really fun. And the taste of the week is a homemade frosty. And it's so easy. I have no recipe because I just do it based on my mood. But I was, I realized I've made one every night for like eight days. And I'm like, it's time to tell the public. It's time to go public. All I do is I take a frozen banana, a whole one, I put it in the blender. Then I put in a scoop or a spoonful of cocoa powder. Yeah. And then I do half of a packet of this, these things called element, the chocolate salt flavor. Cause it just like adds this salty. Oh, it's so good. It's like you can't even do it without the saltiness. And then I do like some almond milk or whatever milk you have. Blend that up, taste it, make sure you ratioed it out. Okay. It's so good. It tastes like a frosty. It's salty. Dude, I was wrong for so long about salty and sweet. Eh, I still don't want a chocolate covered pretzel ever. Like, don't ever offer me one. I'm, no, I don't want that. But the salty chocolate frosty, it's just so good. It's like the saltiness is literally somehow the best part. Mm, I want one right now. Okay. Top five, 
top five today is my top five favorite movies to rewatch. And I know I'm sure that I've done this on Esther Club before and there's going to be no surprises. So I'm just going to power through this. But my personal top five favorite movies to rewatch are Psycho. I love the mysteriousness, the eeriness, the... God, the music and the mood that it sets. It's so creepy, but it's not like any other scary movie. Like it's, it's creepy. It's eerie. Like I don't want fucking straight up scary. Straight up scary is like hacky to me. Like I want you to set a mood. Make me, make me curious and, uh, like just, irked and concerned deep in my gut like i just want to be confused i want to be confused there's just so many eerie amazing scenes if you haven't rewatched psycho it's definitely the right month to do it to get in the halloween spirit not that i have a halloween spirit but okay the next one is sunset boulevard i have to say there's a similar eeriness to this movie not as you know explicitly as in psycho but sunset boulevard it's a little slower as well it feels like it's it feels longer but it has that perfect eerie quality that will really set an eerie tone or mood for you and also like the old hollywood element to it Ugh, her big mansion Oh, like just an old movie stars, like a band, not abandoned, but like dilapidated house. What is cooler? That's where I, when I close my eyes, take me there. Take me to a 1950s dilapidated movie stars house that's like dust everywhere, cobwebs, just like there's a scary butler with like a creepy backstory give give it all good take me there okay next on my list oh it's so fun to rewatch this movie that i actually can't not smile when i talk about it because it brings me again it gives me hollywood vibes it gives me laughter it gives me like a, even sexiness who framed roger rabbit it's and it's scary it's actually so fucking scary. And the character I identify the most with, which is such a bummer, is like that creepy girl that when she sees Roger, she's like, a boy. I always say that to Dave because that is so my energy inside is that creepy cartoon character that's just obsessed with boys. That is sadly who I am most closest to. But I also really like, I, I want to be like half Roger, half Jessica Rabbit. That's such a fucked up, self-obsessed habit I have of, like, always having to be half of each of my favorite characters, but it kind of makes sense for me, as I've learned talking to my friends who are biracial, like, my friend Rumi, who is half Japanese and half white person, she's like, you, she's like, are you biracial? Because, like, I'm not, but... I think having two parents who are so different that they may as well be from different planets 
does cause a different kind of upbringing than someone like Dave, who's raised by two parents who went to the same high school or from the same neighborhood, like have similar beliefs and all that. So I do think there is something, it's all connected, you know, hashtag it's all connected. And then last two slash kind of one movie on the list is Back to the Future, one and two. If you know me, you know part two is my favorite but I think part one is also has a spot on this list because, look, who doesn't want a movie night that has two movies built in? And obviously, you know, I would say for every time I watch part one and part two, every every three times I watch part one and part two, I also will watch part three because I'll be like, God, that was so fun. I need more. And then part three is always slow and boring. We all know. Okay. Oh, my gosh. After talking about it, I'm like, okay, which one do I want to rewatch tonight? And I feel like... I thought it was going to be Psycho, and now I weirdly am, like, really drawn to Sunset Boulevard. I just want to, like, go into Norma Desmond's house. I would, I think I've even tried to, like, drive to where it was, and it's, like, been torn down or something, but, okay. Then I got some questions. Okay, a lot of people are asking me about the platform Uggs. Chewy the Choco Doggo asked me for a personal review of the platform Uggs. I have them in forest green. I honestly love them. I don't know why they're so powerful, but I'm really into them. I'm really into platforms right now. I love the way it feels. I like literally wish I would. I usually wear them around the house now because I can't take them off. But then I went for a walk, so I put on my New Balance. But I'm... My review of the platform Uggs is like, I'm so glad I got them. They're my new favorite Uggs. I don't ever see myself wearing different Uggs again. I also, and I know every older person says this, I can't believe the thing I wore in high school is now the thing that all the young people are talking about. Like, God bless consumerism or whatever, however this works, trend cycles, because it is, it has been so fun for me to relive these trends and like almost like take ownership or power back from them because maybe the first time around like you know I was a kid so I didn't have my own money to spend on things and like now I'm 34 I'm working I'm like childless adult I can go crazy that doesn't mean I do go crazy I'm like not trying to be a an idiot but I have platform mugs and I like them and I sign off on them for sure. And I love the color I got for a screen. Like couldn't imagine a better color. Actually literally hate every other color option. That's not true. I need to see what else they have. Let's look now so we can see. And I can tell you if I think there's any that I recommend. I think, okay, uh, platforms. They're like the mini ones. Okay. They're so popular, obviously, because Bella Hadid wore, truly... Wait, why? Someone wrote they're dangerous? Wait. Why are they dangerous? They've flown off shelves. Uh, They're being worn by supermodels. Bella Hadid, actress Kiki Palmer. Oh, she looks really cute in them with no socks. Okay. Why are they dangerous, though? Like, that's so fake. They're one of the worst styles of shoes structurally citing that their rigid footbed can hamper your, how your nat, foot, how your foot naturally moves when a person walks. Um, it, this is stupid. Stop. New York Post. This is fake. 
I'll say it. It's fake news. Um, I just wanted to see. I'm sorry I'm wasting your guys' time, but I do want to see them and see what colors they have. But it's so hard to find. Like, everyone makes shopping hard. That's, I can't even get into that. Like, the supply chain. It's like, it is not the 90s anymore. It is, it is not just like everything is available. That, those days are gone. I can't find the other colors, so I'm gonna give up on that, but. Um, and then Haley asked, how do you deal with jealousy and insecurity in relationships? And to that I say, train yourself. You just don't know how to do it yet, so you just need to train yourself. I, when I first started dating Dave, in my head, I would have to say to myself, please don't leave me, please don't leave me, please don't leave. Like, I, that was literally being said inside my mind, laying in bed next to him in our first month together. And I just knew, don't fucking say that out loud, you freak. And so I think just being really self-aware that you are going to feel insecure, you are going to feel jealous, that's in your nature, like that's just how, that's just you, but you can change you. And that's what I am so addicted to is how I can change myself, how I've been able to. That's why I talk about these things so much because I'm so excited and energized by all the ways I've changed myself. And so I just want to like share it because if I just really believe that we're all the same and that if I'm capable of this, there's no reason you're not capable of it. And so I would say just be aware that you can be jealous and insecure in a relationship and Train yourself not to be and keep it in. That's such bad advice. Keep your feelings in. But like, I don't have this specific plan for you because I just saw this question right before I started recording, but I would just say believing it's possible to change, being aware of the ways that you are like and that you don't want to be or do anymore and how you'd rather be and just like push yourself more and more towards that new way you want to be. Okay. And then, you know, this was interesting and like, it's so not a question that I can answer, but it is on my mind too. And Instagma said, what are your thoughts on American culture and traditions, how they're all rooted in consumerism? Yeah, this goes to accept the things you cannot change for me. Like, it is crazy to wake up and realize like our whole purpose in life is to like buy things to like make capitalism work. But I can't fix that or solve that. So I'm just like participating in it the way that I'm comfortable and the way that I'm able to. But it's like, it's fucked up because I just saw that this thing on the cut today about that fast fashion brand Shein and how it's like, you know, they exploit their workers. It's like abusive and stuff. It's like all I can do is not buy their clothes and I don't, but... A lot of people can only afford to buy those clothes. So I don't fault people for buying them. Like, I guess my whole thing here is like, the system is bad, but I am just a person and I, my vote with my dollar is essentially meaningless. Doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. But I think it's like, again, it goes back to the principle, accept the things you cannot change, make good choices, 
that you feel good about. That's why when I launched Sleepover by Esther, I was like, nothing is being made overseas. Like, I don't care how much cheaper it is. Like, I will just make like higher quality goods and they'll be higher priced because they're made in LA by people who are paid living wages and they're not exploiting slave labor. So that's all I can do. That's not all I can do. I could obviously quit everything and devote my life to fixing this problem, but I'm not, I'm not doing that. And I don't expect you to do that. So, and I also don't expect that I'm the one to help you through these issues. But at the same time, I, I'm experiencing this too. I don't know why all of a sudden I feel like I'm really waking up to that. I don't know if it's just because it's the TikTok algorithm. And, you know, they're saying how like China slowly, because they run TikTok, they want us to um, become communists. I don't know. I'm in over my head. But my heart is in the right place. Okay. And so that's what's important. And you guys, I think that's a really great time for me to bow out, tap out, and say thank you for hanging out with me for the last hour. Thank you for letting me steal the spotlight and hog the mic and talk to you and share my thoughts and feelings. And I hope that you are into it. And I look forward to spending this next hour, an hour with you again next week. Thank you for listening. Obviously subscribe. Obviously post a screenshot and a comment and I'll repost it. And then obviously buy tickets to come see me if you're in Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, or Phoenix. Tickets are at estronice.com. And most importantly, finally, after years of wanting this, my stand-up special is free on YouTube. It is free on YouTube. It's called Esther Pavitsky, hot for my name. It's free on YouTube. Go watch it now if you haven't seen it. I think there's a really good chance you're going to like it a lot. You guys, thank you so much. I'll see you next week.